Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is the West Block, politics, perspectives, and players. This week, energy leaders from around the world are in Houston, Texas. Canada's Natural Resource Minister, Amarjeet Sohi, met with U.S. Energy Secretary Rick Perry to get the Trump administration to push forward with the Keystone XL pipeline project. This comes on the heels of reports that the U.S. is expected to become the world's top oil exporter in the next five years. So what does this all mean for Canada's oil industry? Joining me now is an international scholar who specializes in environmental and resource economics, Charles Mason from the University of Wyoming. Charles, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure to be here. Why is it that we're seeing such a dramatic increase in oil production in the United States right now? Well, we have these uh, deposits, they're called tight oil deposits, uh, that are, are quite prolific, have, have been... Uh, historically, were were overlooked, regarded as as too expensive to extract for, for a very long time. They're now uh, easily within reach with the onset of uh, production techniques such as fracking and horizontal drilling, uh, and and they tend to be uh, relatively easy to extract from once the once this technology was was honed, if you will, and, and deployed on a broad basis, and so they're very large. Uh, extra resources that, that 20 years ago weren't, uh, weren't really on offer. The International Energy Agency is predicting that the U.S. will account for 70 percent, pardon me, for a 70 percent increase in global production capacity in the next five years. How is that increase in oil output from the U.S. going to affect the global oil industry as we know it today? Right. So uh, if we imagine that there will be a, a, an increase in, in American production of the magnitude you just described, that's likely to do two things uh, to varying degrees. One is it will almost surely drive some other producers to the sidelines, possibly uh, temporarily, possibly uh, forever. Uh, and, and it will also lead to lower prices. Uh, and the lower prices, of course, will kind of uh, uh, exacerbate the, the tendency for, for marginal producers to, to fold. As you know, here in Canada, there's been a tremendous debate about oil, especially out in Alberta, where the main production is done. And right now, people are wondering about getting oil to market with pipelines. It's been a big challenge. Starting first with Keystone, the pipeline going to the U.S., which, of course, was the focus of a lot of debate with the previous administration up here. The current administration, the Trudeau government, has said uh, that they are raising this with the United States, with the energy uh, secretary in Houston this week. Do you think that the Keystone pipeline that is supposed to be taking Alberta's oil down to the U.S. will, in fact, go ahead? And do you think that Donald Trump will really get behind it and push it? Well, there's a good question. Uh, I think I think the prospects are are good for for Keystone going forward. Um, it's it's very difficult to predict what the current administration will do or not do. Uh, it, it's not hard to figure out what they'll tweet, but but whether they'll come through with the goods is a different matter. I would think that the Keystone pipeline would would be completed and brought online. Uh, there there are good reasons for it at both ends. Uh, but and politically, this seems like a better atmosphere than during the Obama administration. Uh, but but it is kind of telling that two years on, nothing has really happened. So still a chance for that, but maybe not in the near future. Not the sort of thing I would be betting the farm on. 
<laughs> Good to know. The other project up here in Canada that's been caught up in a lot of political and legal debate is the Trans Mountain Pipeline that would take oil from Alberta to BC to then be shipped to Asia and other markets. You've raised concern about this pipeline project. What are your concerns in regards to Trans Mountain? Yeah, so I, I, if, if it were my company that was looking at this, I would be worried about recouping the investment that's likely to be a very expensive pipeline to build, a uh, relatively long pipeline. Uh, pipelines generally are expensive to build. Uh, so there are certain sorts of things that, uh, that apply, I think, in Canada that don't apply in the United States, particularly the First Nation considerations, uh, and those would have to be navigated. In, in general, pipelines are very expensive investments that, that take possibly decades to pay off. It's not clear to me that there's uh, sufficient uh, flow of revenues that would, would come to the company who would be in kind of building this to, to motivate the, the economic investment. Now, they will, of course, make that kind of calculation on their own. Uh, but, but I would, you know, looking at this as a, an objective outside observer, I would be a little bit cautious there. So in this case in Canada, the federal government actually bought Trans Mountain. Is that a good investment of taxpayers' dollars? Uh, the, mm, you know, you wouldn't see that sort of thing happening in the States, uh, largely because we, we prefer the kind of the operation of the free market. Uh, the fact that it's, that it's government-owned and operated makes it more likely that it would go forward. If it were private interests, I would be skeptical. Um, and the fact that, that I think it would be a, a tricky investment for a private interest would suggest that it's, it's not a great financial investment. You might argue that, that there are, are uh, other kinds of payoffs, non, what we call non-pecuniary payoffs, so outside of market, and not, you know, the rate of return on the investment and so forth. You get, for instance, you get, uh, greater, you'll get greater employment uh, from people who are tasked with, with constructing the pipeline. You'll get greater employment in the oil sands operations, and maybe that, uh, from the government's perspective, is worth the upfront money. When you look at the future for Alberta's oil sector, you've heard time and time again, Albertans, uh, politicians in Alberta, oil companies in Alberta sounding the alarm saying somewhere between 80 and 100,000 jobs have been lost in that sector. Uh, the pipelines, as you mentioned, are not getting built fast enough, if at all. What do you think the future is for the oil sands in Alberta? Well, so Canadian crude or, or synthetic crude um, plays a particular role um, Specifically in the United States, I would imagine this applies globally as well. I'm not as familiar with the configuration of. Uh, I mean, we're we're be talking about exporting to the to the West, so China. Uh, I'm not as familiar with the configuration of, of Chinese uh, refineries, but American refineries over the course of decades uh, set themselves up to process heavier crudes. Canadian crude is heavy. American crude, the, the, the stuff that's coming out of oil uh, uh, oil shale that tends to be quite light and so it calls for something to sort of offset the lightness if you like and historically that's either been venezuelan crude or canadian crude i think venezuelan crude today is a non-starter and it's likely to be a non-starter for the foreseeable future with the political machinations that are going on there so there is an opening for canadian crude here uh, whether it's a large opening or a small opening is, is tough to say. But, uh, but, yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a market. It's just not, be, not quite as large a market as, as you might like. 
If you were advising Canada in terms of the oil industry and you were talking to the federal government or the provincial government, Alberta, or even the oil companies, what would you tell them? Well, I guess I would be, uh, I would be looking to do deals, um, maybe long-term deals, with, uh, with American refineries to, to marry up the uh, synthetic crudes uh, to tight oil, uh, light tight oil uh, production coming out of the U.S., and then maybe see if you can't do some sort of arrangement that, that has, has real staying power, so writing contracts that aren't just for a year but maybe for a decade. And, and, and just sort of coincidentally, one of the things that really gets in the way of building pipelines is the lack of, of uh, certainty about a steady stream of revenues associated with pipeline shipments. If you've got long-term contracts in play, then you've got the foundation, uh, you know, kind of you mitigate some of the uncertainty that sits behind uh, the investment process for, for pipelines. And that might be the sort of thing that would, would kind of tip the scales for, for Keystone. Uh, for, uh, with respect to uh, sending stuff to, to China, there I think you have a, a tricky problem because you're likely to be in, in kind of heavier head-on competition. It's not clear that, that, uh, uh, that the, you know, the extra revenues that will come from that will be sufficient to cover the upfront costs. Very interesting. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Mason, and sharing your perspective. My pleasure. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Mercedes Stevenson for The West Block.